Welcome back. On this episode of Deeper Life, Pastor Stephen shares about protecting your spiritual position. Listen and be blessed. The Lord gave me a word to share from Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel chapter 28. Um it's a word written about the king of Tyre. And um uh we know it also represents Satan Lucifer and uh God uses Ezekiel the prophet uh to say a word to him word about him you know the bible says in verse 18 you defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities by the iniquity of your trading i want to stop there um you defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities and by the iniquity of your trading one of the important things that we need to understand as we come to the last of the last days the bible says the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour amen the enemy wants to come and uh, steal the bible says in john 10:10 the devil comes to kill steal and destroy you know jesus said that he said the satan when he comes the reason he comes he wants to kill steal and destroy what does he want to kill steal and destroy he wants to kill steal and destroy whatever god has done in our life whatever god has purposed over our lives whatever god has planned over our lives One of the greatest things that we need to understand as we come to the last days is to understand who we are in Christ, understand our spiritual position in God, and we need to learn to protect it. Amen. We need to learn to protect what God has done in us, what God has purposed in us, what God is working in us. We need to learn to protect God's anointing and the spiritual position that he positions us amen is very very important one of the things that we need to understand is you know when we are anointed it does not mean that the enemy cannot come against us okay sometimes when we are anointed and we walk under the precious anointing of god we become very naive about the things of the enemy we become very you know we we take a lot of things for granted in our lives because we think we are very anointed okay let's see what you know uh, ezekiel talks about about satan this is god saying in verse 14 of the same chapter you were the anointed cherub who covers i established you you were on the holy mountain of god you walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones amen you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you amen the bible talking about uh, satan says you were you know Uh, there are some versions that say you are the most anointed cherub you know the bible says it was a you are an anointed cherub anointing anointing is god's 
precious um, anointing is God's precious spirit coming upon us to position us. You know, the anointing of God is about a spiritual position in our lives. The anointing, the word anointing means separated one. God separates you and me for a purpose. God separates you and me for a plan that he has for your life and my life. So the anointing, when God anoints us, that anointing is to put us in a place in our lives so that we can walk in the fulfillment of God's call upon our lives. Every one of us. You don't need to be a pastor for that. You don't need to be a, an evangelist or, or somebody great. It's not about, it's for everyone. When God, the Holy Spirit comes upon you, God separates you and puts you in a spiritual position in your life wherein you can fulfill God's great plan and purpose over your life. And one of the things that are very important to understand is when God anoints you, when the anointing of the Holy Spirit is upon you, you need to be very careful about what is happening around you. Amen? Many times, you know, we struggle with challenges and circumstances because you know there are many people and many circumstances that fight us and we are ignorant to understand that it is not the person who's fighting us it's the spirit behind the person amen uh, paul writes our fight is not against flesh and blood he says it's against principalities and powers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. The reason he says that is because he says, you know, that's why he says, I'm pressed but not crushed. Are you being pressed? Yes. There are things that come to press me. There are situations that come to break me. There are circumstances that come to, to crush me down. But it's not the circumstances. It's the spirit behind the circumstances that's fighting me to break me down. But he says, I'm not crushed. Persecuted, but not in despair. He says, I am being persecuted by people. I've been stoned. I've been whipped. I've been, you know, insulted. I've been abused. I've been thrown out of the city. I, I have been through a lot. Have you been there? I have been through a lot in my life. That was what he was saying. And many of us have the same things. We have been through a lot in our own lives. But he says, I'm not desperate. Why does persecution come? Persecution comes because it wants to make you desperate. Desperate. When you are being pushed to a corner, you want to push everything and move out. That's the world. But for us, when you are persecuted, you're not desperate. You're still calm because you know that nothing can come against you and destroy what God has purposed over your life. It's the anointing. It's the anointing of the Holy Ghost that positions you in the spiritual. It's not about which corner of the world you're standing on, which corner of the room you're in. It's not in which corner of life you are in where you are being pressed. It's not about that. It's about a spiritual position that you are in. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul writes about how how, you know, Christ, when he was raised by the power of the Holy Spirit, he, he was taken beyond powers and dominions and, you know, over everything, and he was seated with Christ in the heavenlies. In chapter 2, Paul writes, we are seated with Christ. We are raised up with him. If you cannot understand that, Colossians chapter 3, 
The first two verses, if you read number one, verse one, Paul says, set your mind on things above, where Christ is seated in the heavenlies. Paul says, you need to set your mind above. You need to learn to look at life from God's perspective. From God's perspective. If we are not careful to look at life, now this evening I'm sharing, not because I have achieved something or I understand everything I speak tonight because of what God has been speaking to me in these days. We can be the greatest minister of God. We can be in the ministry. We can do so many things. But if we are not careful, we can lose that precious position in the spirit realm that God positions us for His purposes. That God positions us for His purposes. And I want to tell you tonight, God has a plan for your life. Don't let the enemy steal it out of your life. Don't let the words of people, don't let the circumstances that you walk in, don't uh, let the, the manipulations of the devil take away what God has purposed over your life. 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. I always think about it when I, when I think about, you know, uh, protecting the spiritual position. 1 Kings 19 talks about, 18 talks about this uh, great, uh, uh, you know, uh, victory over the prophets of Baal and Elijah, right? We all know the story in Mount Carmel how, you know, God came and answered by fire. There was a manifestation of the glorious power of God before the eyes of all people. Amen. There was a tremendous presence of God. Let me tell you something. You know, uh, sometimes we get so excited with just the manifestations of God, not realizing every time the power of God is manifest, there is the enemy coming to nullify what God has done. Are you with me? I want to tell you something. In every revival, there is always a duplicate. You know why revivals break down? You know why some things break down in the things of God? It's because every time God is doing something real, the enemy brings something that is false. That's why people cannot understand. You know, sometimes people look at YouTube videos, some of the videos that are against the Holy Spirit, and they think that Christians, you know, they have some kundalani spirit or that spirit or this spirit because they have no understanding that the devil always brings a duplicate of what the real thing is. Just because in the demonic realm something is happening similar to what God is doing doesn't mean what God is doing is not real. Are you with me tonight? I want you to understand that. Just because there is something in the world that looks similar to what God is doing doesn't mean that the, the spirit of the world is what is controlling the church. No. Of course, the things of the world will creep into the church. We need to be careful about it. I always tell people if the spirit of the church does not affect the spirit of the community, then the spirit of the community will affect the spirit of the church. Yes. But what you and I need to understand is when the glory of God is manifest, we need to be careful. 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 2. The Bible says, Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow among this time. The enemy 
will always threaten the anointing upon you. Come on, are you with me? The enemy will always come to attack you. The enemy will always use words against you. The enemy will always speak things into your life to pull away the position that God has for your life, to take away what God has purposed over your life. After one of the greatest victories in the life of Elijah, the prophet, you begin to see a man so anointed, so crushing the prophets of Baal, running away because of the words of one woman. Let me tell you sometimes, just one word from the devil. If you don't learn how to deal with that word, it can destroy your life and ministry. Are you with me? We can have the greatest ministry in our life, but if we give in to one lie of the devil, one lie of the devil, it can destroy what God had purposed over your life. Just one word. One word. We all know Elijah runs far away. You know, he is afraid. He's not able to handle the situation. Amen? And then the Bible says like this in verse 10. In verse 10. So he said, uh, verse 9, And there he went into a cave and spent the night in a place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? First time, what is coming to Elijah the prophet? The word of the Lord. Amen. He's a prophet. He knows the word of God. He knows a word comes to him. You know, one of the first things God does is he begins to speak on the inside of you. He begins to deal on the inside of you. The word of the Lord came to him. And what was the word? What are you doing here, Elijah? Where are you? Why did you come here? Sometimes, you know, we move out of the place in the spiritual realm that God has kept us. We are away into another place because, you know, there are, oh, pastor, I can't handle this. I can't go through this. I can't be through this. You know, we have so many excuses that drive us, drives us away from where God wants you to be. Tonight, God would ask you the same question, my dear brother and sister. Where are you in your life? Where are you, Elijah? Second time. He has an excuse. God is asking, what are you doing here, Elijah? And so he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars, killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. What is he talking about? God, you know, he's giving, he's talking about something else that is irrelevant to the question from God. Sometimes when God is knocking at our heart's door and asking a question, we've got some other answer. Oh God, I've been in the ministry for so many years. Oh, I've been through this. Lord, you don't know what I'm going through. Lord, you know, we're crying and cribbing when the question from God is very simple. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Second time, the voice of God. Think about it. Second time, he hears the voice of God. Then a still small voice. The Bible says in verse 13, 
So it was when Elisha heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? I want to tell you something. In verse 16, you know, God said to him, give the same answer. The Bible says in verse 16, God said to him, also go and anoint Jehu, the son of Nimishi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shabbat, of Abel, Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. You see, God says, I want to put somebody else in that place. In the very place that you, are, you were in, I want to put somebody else. Of course, God still used Elijah. Of course, God still blessed him. Of course, God, you know, just the chariots came and just took him away. It was glorious. But I want you to know that position that God had for him. I want to tell you, my friend, are you in the place that God has kept you spiritually? Are you sitting in the place that God had kept you spiritually? Judges 16, 16. Samson, called by God, anointed by God for destroying, going against the Philistines. The Bible says, Judges 16 and 16. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. What was he doing? He was lying on the lap of Delilah where he should never have been in the first place. And secondly, when something comes to steal what God has purposed in your life, what does it do? It nags you. Sometimes the enemy will be nagging you, pestering you day after day. Sometimes the enemy will torment you day after day. My friend, don't yield to the torment. Yield to the voice of God. Don't yield to the lies of the devil that come to you again and again and again and again. He will tell you again and again, isn't it what I said? Isn't it what I said? Isn't it what I said? Look at your life. Look at your life. Look at your life. It's no more, it's no good for anyone. It's no good for anyone. There is no future for you. Didn't I tell you in the past? Have I not told it to you many years ago? There is no future for you. The enemy will nag you, nag you, nag you, and lie to you again and again and again and again why you cannot be successful. And I want to tell you, my friend, Where are you? What are you listening to? Why does he come to nag you? Why will the enemy pester you? Because he wants to lull you. I, I, you know, look at this word in verse 18. You know, 16 and verse 18. The Bible says, and Delilah saw that that. He had told her all his heart. She sent and called the lords. Come up at once. So the Lord of Philistines came, you know. And in verse 19, the Bible says, Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees. 
What was she doing? What will the dev devil do? He will bring you to a place where you come, become, you know, you become so blind, you, you begin to sleep when the devil is working on your life. Watch and pray, Jesus said, lest you fall into temptation. He just didn't say pray. He said, watch and pray. My friend, I want to ask you, do you watch? Are you watching what is happening around your life? Are you able to see what is happening around your life? I'm reminded of Gehazi. 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. The Bible says like this from verses 20. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Look, my master has spared Naaman, the Syrian, while not receiving from his hands what he bought. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. When Elisha, the prophet, imparted the glory of God over a Syrian commander and saw the power of God, saw the miracle-working power of God. That man saw a change in his life, saw such a transformation. It was a season of the glory of God. And what was Gehazi doing? He was looking at the money in his hands. He was looking at the wealth of the man. He was looking at the horses he was driving. He was looking at the house he lived in, the car he was driving, the kind of lifestyle he was having. His eyes were on the wrong things. I don't know why I'm so excited tonight, but I want to tell you something. We'll live in the last of the last days. Sometimes instead of looking at the glory of God and the presence of God and longing for the things of God, we're looking at what is my benefit in all of this? What can I get in all of this? How can I enhance my life in all of this? How can I become a leader through all of this? How, what can I do so that I can have something in my life? Come on, my friend. It's nothing for God to bless you. The Bible says, Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. The kingdom. God says, come to the kingdom. Become a kingdom person. Think about the kingdom of God. Look for the kingdom. Look about God. Look about the things of God. Look about the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I want to walk with you, Lord. Our life is not about a, 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 a position and authority and, and, and having a reputation. What does this reputation mean for us at the end of our life? It means nothing. You can be a great man of God and an evangelist and whatever you are. At the end of your life, that reputation means nothing. The only reputation that stands is what Jesus thinks of you. The only reputation is, have I done the will of God? Have I fulfilled the mandate of God? The mandate of God. Verse 22. He, and he said, all is well. My master has sent me saying, indeed, just now two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the mountains of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of garments. He's talking stories. He's talking stories at a time 
of the glory of God. The glory of God. You know what? Um, if, if you go on to see, you know, um, Elisha says, uh, where did you go, Gehazi? 25, verse 25. And he said, your servant did not go anywhere. <laughs> then he says, did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it time to receive money and to receive clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants? You know, and then the man of God says, that leprosy of Naaman will come upon you. I want to tell you, my friend, sometimes the leprosy of the world comes upon us and, and sticks on us. You know why? Because we go to the wrong place. Because we have the wrong attitude. Because we do the wrong things. Because we fail to realize. Sometimes, you know, the, the challenges, the sicknesses, the defeats, the struggles, the, the, the things of the world that are on people of the world sometimes come upon us. You know why? Because we seek the wrong thing at the wrong time from the wrong person. Every time I think of Gehazi, I always think of Joshua. You know, Gehazi and Elisha was a similar picture of Moses and Joshua. You know, every time Moses went to the temple of meeting, Joshua was sitting outside the door. Every time Moses went out, you know, went, went on Mount Sinai, Joshua was there at the bottom of the mountain. Joshua's heart was always behind the man of God. Not only the man of God, it was behind what God was doing in the man of God, until one day when the man of God was taken up. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 1, Now you, Joshua, Moses, God said, Moses, my servant is dead. Now you, Joshua. It was about a Joshua generation. What should have followed Elisha should have been a gay Hasi generation. Are you with me? Are you with me? The enemy will come. And show us things that are unimportant to the kingdom of God. But he will make our hearts like, a, you know, he, he will make our hearts so worldly that we cannot even see the difference. Do you know that? We get used to things if you're not careful. John chapter 12. John chapter 12 talks about Judas Iscariot. You remember that? The woman who broke the alabaster oil. Remember that portion of scripture? And she poured it at the feet of Jesus. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, 12 and verse 3 of, chapter, of John, anointed his feet, the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house filled with the fragrance, was filled with the fragrance of the oil. And while this was going on, the Bible says, one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? What did he say? While, while there was such an intense moment, a glorious moment with God, this disciple's eyes were not on Jesus. 
it was about it was on the oil that was used on his feet and in his head what was running wow this can be sold this can be done why you know sometimes we are like that in church you know when we when when the presence of god is so strong we are thinking of other things why was it done like this it could have been done like that that would have been a better thing to do this come on my friend i want to tell you something we need to come to that place sometimes you know and and look at what the bible says you know what is amazing is the bible says this he did not because verse 6 and this he said not that he cared for the poor but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it very interesting about the disciples matthew was a tax collector but he was not the one who handled the money have you thought of it judas was stealing money and jesus still allowed him he kept on giving him opportunities again and again and again and again to change but one day what he used to do got the better of him amen sometimes there can be things in our life that are not of god are really not of god we know it but we fail to deal with it we fail to bring it before god we fail to pull it out from its roots there cannot be anything in our lives that is not of god and when we know it we need to deal with it this man's position gehazi's position samson's position lisha's spiritual position was affected because the enemy brought things attitudes lust of the eyes lust of the flesh brought things 1 John 2 and verse 16 says the three things that will will always be behind us the lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh and the pride of life i'm reminded of um, you know the scripture 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 12 where paul says all things are lawful to me but all things are not helpful all things are lawful to me but i would not be brought under the power of any you know just because something is lawful does not mean we can do it we should do it you know there are many things that are lawful for us as christians to do but the point is this is it needed is it for us it might be okay for somebody else to do it but in your position as a man of god as a woman of god in the place that god has kept you you don't need to do things that everybody does just because somebody does just because another christian does does not mean that you and i need to do that does not mean you and i need to do that Hebrews 10 and verse 26 Hebrews chapter 10 Every time I read this verse it shakes the foundations of of my life Hebrews 10 26 For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries proverbs 28:13 says he who covers his sin will not prosper but he who confesses and forsakes it will find mercy amen these are days god wants us to to preserve that precious anointing and how can i do that by being right with god 
by being in the place that God wants me to be in my life. Putting myself before God. David, you know, he was not a perfect man. You know, he, he messed up. He really, really messed up in a big way. You know, he did things that were terrible. But you know what he did? He brought himself before God. He brought his life to a place before God where, you know, he began to walk after God. He had, did he have problems? Yes. Did he have challenges? Yes. Did he have, oh man, man, what a life he had. He had all kinds of problems. But he did one thing. He brought himself before God. His heart was in the right place. Psalms 51. In verse 10, he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit. He says, I want to have a proper spirit, a right attitude, a right way of doing things. I want to have a right spirit. My spirit must be right. The, 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 the reason why I do what I do must be right. He said, Lord, I want to come before you in the right way. Man, I want to tell you something. We can, we can, we can cheat the whole world, but we can never cheat God. We can cover things up so beautifully, but we can never hide anything before God. Create in me a clean heart. He said to the Lord, Lord, my heart must change. You know, Matthew 7, if you read from verse 20, Jesus said, it's not what goes in that defiles a man, but what comes out of the heart of man. You know, it says, out of the heart of man comes forth evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, and all, all kinds of things. He said, the Bible, Jesus said, these things will defile you. He says, the very things that come out of you are the very things that will <coughs> defile you. Defile you. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. Know me. See if there be any wicked way in me. He tells the Lord, Lord, search. Come in and search. Amen. But what did Paul do for his own life? How did he, how did he, he learn to walk that walk of faith till the very end. Philippians 3 and verse 7, he says, whatever is to my profit, he says, I consider it loss for the excellence of the knowledge of God. I count them as rubbish, he says. Whatever is to my profit, whatever I can get in this world, whatever position, whatever thing I can get for my, myself because of who I am, he says, I count it as rubbish when it compares to the knowledge of God. And I want to tell you this evening, protect that spiritual position that is over your life by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And how can I do that? Come before God. Come before God. In the Old Testament, we saw how people lost things, but under the New Covenant, the Spirit of God just doesn't come for us over a season or for a period, like in the Old Testament. But for us under the New Testament, the Spirit of God is with us all the time. That's why when we do things that are wrong, we grieve Him. We insult Him. We, we, uh, you know, we, uh, we do all kinds of things. Because, you know, we, 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 we crush Him. We make Him upset. You know? That's because He's with us all the time. All the time. The Spirit of God is with you. If you are anointed, He's with you all the time. But it's very important that we submit to that anointing. Submit to God's will. Submit to God's plan. Believe that he has the best for you. Tonight, would you submit yourself to God? Tonight, would you say to God, Lord, I don't want to lose what you have done for me. I don't want to lose. There are many great men and women of God 
at the frail end of their life, who lost many glorious opportunities and, and uh, plans that God had for them because they made wrong choices, because they, um, you know, uh, they could not see what was coming. But I want to warn you tonight, the only way we can protect ourselves is to be in the center of God's will. And say to God, Lord, I don't want to lose that, that place, that, that place of grace. Amen. I want to tell you something. There's a place of grace. That's why you know the Bible says there's a place by God where you need to keep yourself. A place by Him where things happen in your life by grace, by supernatural favor. It's very important to keep yourself in that stream and walk in that stream. Just hold on to the Spirit of God and keep going in that place. And I want to tell you something. Narrow will be that way, but it will lead you to eternal life. God is for you, my friend, tonight. He wants to encourage you. The reason this word comes is not to, not to break you, but to warn you, to encourage you, to tell you that there is a place that God has for you. Walk in that place. Hold on to that place. Maybe God is asking you tonight, where are you in your life? Maybe God is saying to you, are you ready to come back? Step back into that place. David stepped back. He messed up, but he stepped back. Peter denied Jesus three times, but he came back. He came back to a greater, glorious life. Matthew doubted God. Thomas doubted God. You know, he doubted the very one with whom he walked, walked for three and a half years. He doubted him. But he didn't continue with doubt. He became a man after the heart of God. Tonight's your night and my night. You say to God, Lord, here I am. Come before you. I lay my life before you. Let your precious anointing come upon me. Anointing. Fall on me, anointing, fall on me. Let the power of the Holy Ghost fall on me, anointing fall on me. I want to tell you tonight. Push discouragement out of your life. Push things that come to pressure you out of the lives. Identify the enemy who comes to fight you. Push him away. You tell the enemy, you have no authority over my life. You will not dictate to me what I will become. It's the Spirit of God. You will not steal from me what God has put inside of me. It's the anointing. It's the anointing. David writes, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty God. There's a place of dwelling. Keep yourself there, my friend. Keep yourself there. Tell the Lord, Lord, if I've lost it, I want to come back to that place. Lord, draw me to that place. There is a place by the side of God where you can keep yourself. A place where you will walk in the very place and position that God had appointed for you. It's by appointment. God chose you even before the foundations of the earth that you might walk with Him, that you would fulfill His purpose. The Bible says in Romans 8, whom He foreknew, 
he predestined. Whom he predestined, he called. Whom he called, he justified. Whom he justified, he glorified. God foreknew you, predestined you, called you, justified you. He will glorify you. So be encouraged tonight. God is with you. Bring yourself to a place. Intercede. Go in the presence of God and tell the Lord, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God will show you. Show you things you have lost. Show you things that need correction. Show you things that will bring you back to that place. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He brings you to Jesus. He brings you before Jesus. He brings you to that. He will bring you to that place of safety in your life. I want to encourage you. Take time this week with God. Tell the Lord, I want to be in that place in my life. I don't want to lose it for anything, God. Bring yourself there. Amen. I want to encourage you. Jesus loves you. Be in peace. Walk in the joy of the Lord. Don't be worried about what you walk through. Walk with God and you will be an overcomer. Amen. With God, all things are possible. All things are possible to them that believe. Just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will begin to see victory after victory in your life. Amen. Push discouragement out of your life. Push challenges out of your life and walk with your head held up high. Amen. God bless you. Have a glorious week. Thank you for joining us in Deeper Life today and looking forward to seeing you again next week. God bless you. God bless you. This broadcast is from Transforming Nations for Jesus. If you would like to get in touch with us, please write to us at transformingnationsforjesus at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us. Be blessed.